You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good afternoon, Packer fans. It is Tuesday, March the 22nd, and Packers total access begins right now. I got some advice for y'all. Take two weeks off, then quit. All right, welcome into Packers Total Access. I'm your host, Clayton Bailey. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access, and you can find the uh, podfather himself of Packernet Podcast, Ryan Schlipp, on Twitter at Pack underscore daddy. All right, guys, so we're going to jump right into today's show. I thought we would do things a little bit different. Um, got a little bit of news to cover, not a whole lot, but I did want to touch on just a couple of things there on the forefront. And then we're going to talk a little bit of NFL draft. Now, guys, I'm not the I'm not the one who tries to break down which prospect is better than the other. I leave that to the quote-unquote experts. What I like to do in my approach, I'm not a professional scout, but I take all of the information that we have you know, at our fingertips and I kind of compile that info together and put together a big board every year. Now, that big board hasn't been finalized yet because I'm waiting for just a couple of key components. I want to make sure it's completely finished before I release that top 100 big board. But what we're going to do today is actually dive into the, uh, um, the database that shows the consensus big board. And, and it basically takes all of the quote-unquote professionals, compiles all the information into one website, and gives you a consensus big board you know, hence the name, right? So I like to go off of that information because it kind of takes everything into factor rather than saying, oh, Mel Copper's the best or, you know, uh, Daniel Jeremiah's the best or whoever the the latest professional might be, right? So we're going to dive into that a little bit, but really the the topic of today is going to be draft strategy. And I'm going to try to sell you guys a little bit on a a philosophy and, and maybe an approach to this draft where, in past years, it would be really, really easy to get excited about just taking the plunge. I've already seen so many tweets, so many Packer fans, right, that are that are all on board for just trading up in the draft and getting this, you know, one or two superstars, right? I'm going to give you a little bit different approach to that. But like I said, first, let's go ahead and cover some news. And uh, obviously, as we wrapped up the show last week, there was some some heavy talks about Rasul Douglas signing. It was pretty much done that he was coming back to the Packers, and we uh, we just didn't have the details on the the contract itself. But it sounds like what the holdup was was they were trying to wait until the Devonte Adams trade had completely gone through, which tells me. This was a planned event, and I got to give kudos once again to both sides of the party because nobody really tipped their hand other than Devontae buying a house in Vegas, and everybody just kind of poo-pooed it, including myself, right? 
Um, every, both parties kind of respected each other in a sense that they weren't going to release the information until the trade was finalized and all that. But it sounds like Rasul Douglas, at least his representatives, and I'm sure Rasul himself, had kind of an idea that, hey, look, something big's about to happen. And the same thing with Devondre Campbell. They were waiting for that trade to, to pretty much be all but done before they got those guys under contract. So, first of all, kudos to Brian Gutekunst for getting that done and and having the open communication with those two players. I think that goes a long way, even with signing future free agents and future players that you draft in negotiation time. They can look back at a track record of Brian Gutekunst and say, hey, this is a guy that I feel like I can trust. You know, I heard um, the GM being um, uh, from the Buffalo Bills on the Pat McAfee show. It was either uh, today's show or yes, it might have been yesterday's show or uh, maybe Friday's show. Anyway, he was talking about, you know, they said, what's the one thing that you think kind of separates you from the rest of the crowd as far as GMs and maybe not separate you, but what's one of your strengths? And he said, is really in a nutshell, what he said was just trust. I've created trust across the league. It's about doing business right. And, you know, if you promise a certain round pick to someone, you've got this mutual agreement that, yes, this is what we're going to do. You don't change that at the last hour. And you you honestly communicate with people, and it makes them want to do business with you in the future. I think that's huge with what Brian Gutekunst is doing as far as creating this uh this level of trust, and really what it comes down to is a reputation across the league. So um, kudos to him for communicating with those two guys. It'd be real easy that when Bobby Wagner got cut to back out of what you said you were going to do with Devondre Campbell, right? I don't know the exact timeline of how everything became official, but it seems like right about that time, those things were happening behind the scenes. And, uh, you know, Devondre Campbell did a great uh, put a great tweet out earlier today just talking about how it's paid off and his hard work. I won't read the exact tweet, but just kind of paraphrasing, he was saying that, that he's an example of you can make it. You know, he was a guy that was that was labeled as a special teamer, and it took seven years for him to really break through and get to the point where he's at, and now he lands this contract, which, to be honest, it's I feel like it's it's somewhat of a team-friendly deal. Uh, at five years, fifty million. Given you know the season that he had last year, it would be real easy for him. I feel like to break the bank in free agency, um, comparatively speaking to the contract that was offered by the Packers. But with that being said, um, it was just it's cool to see the kind of guys that the Packers want on the roster. And I, I, I really I can't I can't say this enough, guys. That when when you sign someone who already knows your scheme, already knows your system, already knows your terminology, already knows the building, already knows the teammates, already knows the coaching staff, all of those things, I think you're a leg up. I think there's a lot of teams that screw up in free agency thinking, we'll just let this guy go, replace him with this guy. He'll come right in and he'll be an improvement. I think there's somewhat of a buffer period there, and it, it all depends on the player and how how smart they are as far as uh, you know what we call uh, football intelligence and also their will to make something work once they get the bag. That's another thing, too, is last year you had these players like Russell Douglas and Devondre Campbell that were playing for the bag. They were playing for a contract. How are they going to respond this year? Based off of everything I've seen with Russell and Devondre, it's more than just making money. It's a little bit about loyalty to Green Bay and them giving them the opportunity, but also they want to sustain that legacy that they've already uh, began to create. They want to build off that foundation that was laid last year. So um, with that being said, the details – 
of a couple of contracts came out. The big signings that we had was obviously Rasul Douglas that we ended the show with. They signed him to a three-year, $21 million contract with a max value of $25.5 million. Now, that's, I would have a hard time believing anything other than a, an absolutely perfect performance would he make 25.5. So it sounds like it's going to be $21 million. I don't have all of the details as far as cap hit. I just know that averages out to roughly $7 million per year over a three-year deal, which we all know. Based off of the five-year contracts and Andrew Brandt talking about the way that they're structured in today's NFL, they're more like two-year contracts. You could probably get out of this in one to two years if you needed to. So I love the approach by Goody. You build trust in him. You kind of light a fire under Rasul like, look, we believe in you. He wants to be in Green Bay. You've seen all the tweets. He just seems like the, the type of guy that wants to be a Green Bay Packer. I think it's a great deal all the way around. Now, another contract that came down the pike, we already kind of covered Devondre Campbell. So we're going to talk a little bit about tight end Robert Tunyon. A lot of people were absolutely stoked that Robert Tunyon got got re-signed. I was as well. He's another guy that came into camp last year. He came into work. When we had the whole receiving core, if you guys will remember, they kind of laid back in some of the off-season training program. We thought, was it protest with alongside the union? Was it protest with Aaron Rodgers? Um, I think it was more union than anything. It's funny that most of those guys are gone now, just saying. like <laughs> Maybe you showed your true colors a little bit. I know Devontae's gone. I don't think that was the deciding factor. Obviously, the Packers matched or may have even beat the Raiders' offer in the witching hour there. But Equinemius St. Brown was one that did it. Devin Funchess was one that did it. I know Devin Funchess got hurt, but he's a free agent right now. Why haven't the Packers knocked on his door, right? So uh, I think MVS was another one. Lo and behold, look at MVS. MVS is kind of out there on the market still. Now, there's rumors the Packers are going to sign him. I welcome that back. You've heard me talk about it on past podcasts at the right price. I like MVS. Why? Because he brings he brings value to the table because he already knows the scheme. He already knows the system, right? And him and Aaron, he and Aaron, they have already some some sort of chemistry. Maybe not on we know it's not on the on the Tay Adams level, but they do have a, a certain level of chemistry that that is valuable in my my opinion. You know, if you're within a million dollars of of uh, you know reaching that that contractual agreement, I think that would send me over the edge knowing that Matt LaFleur doesn't have to retrain this guy. He just got to come in and kind of refine his skills and continue to build that chemistry with Aaron. And we know that's going to grow uh, between Aaron and Lazard and also Aaron and MVS if indeed MVS does sign. But back to Tunyon, it's a one-year deal per Tom Silverstein. It's a one-year deal Packers tied in Robert Tunyon received it's worth $3.7 million. That includes $1.75 in incentives accord, according to a source. There's the source again. It always cracks me up. The Packers had to play because had to pay because at least three other teams were interested in signing him despite coming off a torn ACL. Says that says what people think of him. Now, think about that, guys. There was three other people in the running. It could be BS, right? We that's that's always a factor when it comes to that. Unless, you know, Matt LaFleur Mark Murphy, Brian Gutekunst, one of those three, um, or Russ Ball actually had confirmation from other teams that they were interested in him as well, that most likely that information came from the agent. So could be true, might not, but at $3.7 million, 
it's easy to get excited about that. We talked about him hitting the market earlier in the year, and the number I kept coming up with was like maybe $7 million. I was like, I don't know if I want Tunyon for $7 million. You're getting him for pretty much half, but here's the thing to take into consideration, and the reason I say you probably need to curb the enthusiasm just a bit because he's not going to be available probably until midseason. At least he's – I think he's – I think there's a very, very slim chance he does not start – the season on the pup list, right? The physically unable to perform list. That means he won't be available until week six. So this is kind of an insurance uh, policy here for the Green Bay Packers at tight end. Again, it's a guy that knows the system, has a little bit of chemistry with Aaron, and someone who could come in and contribute right away the second he's activated. Maybe he can beat this thing, guys, and be back for week one. That would be absolutely awesome. I'm not planning on that. So that's just kind of in the back pocket. Now, it came out today, I believe Tom Silverstein also uh, reported that Mercedes Lewis, the Packers, did pick up his $2 million bonus. So it sounds like he is going to be on the roster this year. It's very rare that a team keeps a player once they pick up that bonus this time of the year and then end up cutting him later. That's just bad business. So Mercedes Lewis, like I said, according to PFF, the eighth best tight end in the entire league last year. Uh, that caught a lot of people by surprise just chatting with people on Twitter. They're like, I didn't realize he was graded that high. He did everything pretty good last year, guys. He's You just got to understand what he is. He's an attached tight end. He's going to attach to the formation. You're not going to flex him out very often. We don't need him to do that. So with that being said, though, that's a little bit of the Packers news that has hit um, you know, this week, just some details on the contracts. They're still lying in the weeds, right? When it comes to free agency. And I absolutely love it. The longer some of these free agents sit on the market, the more their value goes down. Brian Gutekunst right now is staring down the competition. And I absolutely love it. Every day that he waits, it gets a little bit cheaper to sign one of the guys that he's probably interested in. Now, you might be sitting there going, well, you need to be aggressive too. Okay, they weren't aggressive with Devondre Campbell. How did that work out? They weren't aggressive with Rasul Douglas. How did that work out? He's got a pool of players, guys, that he likes, right? He's got a pool of players that he's sitting in, and he's watching them like a hawk right now. And every day that goes by, he's watching the value drop a little bit more. Now, if you think that I would like for them to take a plunge and go get a Bobby Wagner, oh, my God, I would be doing backflips, guys. I'm telling you right now, I would be, you know what, in high cotton, as they say down here. I, I'm telling you, I would be over the moon excited if they signed Bobby Wagner. But that's not what we need based off of the roster at the moment. It's not It's not that we that we don't need or couldn't use Bobby Wagner, but for the right price. What if he sits on the market? I'm just saying. What if somebody like Bobby Wagner sits on the market for another week or two, and then all of a sudden the Packers reach out to him and go, you know what, dude? What if we gave you, you know, a, let's say, three-year deal worth $30 million, $20 million guaranteed, right? And he knows he's probably going to get more from another team. But because of the guaranteed aspect of it, what if they could fudge it just enough to land a player like that? It's definitely possible. Could you imagine Devondre Campbell and Bobby Wagner on the field in a nickel formation? Like the team comes out in 11 personnel and you've got one of the one of the greatest coverage linebackers in the history of the game. And he plays the run pretty darn good too. PFF scores off the charts his entire career. Could you imagine those two together? It's it's a possibility. 
I'll tell you what else is a possibility. What if Goody is behind the scenes working his tail off to get contract extension for Jair Alexander? You know what else that's going to do? That's going to free up money for this year. There's a lot of things, I think, that's going on behind the scenes, and it's important that they stay patient. Every day that goes by, guys, I'm right there in the trenches with you. I'm going, have they signed anybody? Have they signed anybody? Right? But I'm telling you, Goody is playing this thing right. He has handled everything, I think, immaculate along the way. Now, back to Devontae Adams for just a second. That was not handled correctly two years ago, in my opinion. I think that it went downhill downhill roughly a year and a half, two years ago. They probably should have been more aggressive with Devontae. But you know what? That's what makes the Packers the Packers. They're willing to give great players that second contract. Mark Murphy came right out and said Devontae was special. They're willing to give those type of players that third contract. It just didn't work out. So um, I say that because Goody's not perfect. Neither is Russ Ball, neither is Mark Murphy. Um, I know a lot of people are going, you got that right. But I personally think they've all done an excellent job. They've made mistakes. But overall, I don't think you could ask for a much better um, front office. So with that, that's the Packers news. Oh, one more thing I wanted to cover. It actually broke today here recently, um, just just a couple hours ago. Zadarius Smith, pass rusher, edge defender for the Green Bay Packers the last several years, just signed with the Minnesota Vikings. I I, want to say, I don't want to butcher, I think it was three years, 40-some million dollars. Guys, they overpaid for the dude. You understand that they, they're paying him 14, I think it was an average of 14 million per year. Now we know the structure can fudge the cap in certain areas, this and that. That's pretty much what the Packers could have kept him at. So you're telling me Brian Gutekunst wasn't going to keep him at that tag, but a division rival was willing to sign him. How many times have we seen this song and dance, guys? How many times have the Minnesota Vikings gone and signed another player like a Greg Jennings? Did it pan out? Absolutely not. They, It's like these teams put more value on division rival players. Now, I heard Ryan mention several, I want to say it was roughly a month ago now, he had heard rumblings that it went south, it went sour with Zadarius Smith behind, Smith behind the scenes. It's pretty obvious now. Um, I, I don't know if there was 100% truth to the tweet or where the comment came from. It sounded like it was pretty legit earlier, but uh, he's, he's already taken shots at Aaron Rodgers. I think he said something along the lines of, basically painting Rodgers to be a drama queen and uh, basically said Kirk Cousins is in the building working right now. He's not worried about creating drama on a YouTube show. So there's going to be a great rivalry spark up here. As a Packer fan, I wanted to say, uh, you know, his back's probably not healthy and I kind of hope it it nags him a little bit. Just as a Packer fan, I don't want him to ball out in Minnesota, but at the same time, I almost want him on the field just to get that competitive edge with Aaron Rodgers. A lot of people have talked about it. Aaron plays with a chip on his shoulder. Could you imagine a guy talking that much trash, that much trash and then Aaron stepping on the field and just cutting the Vikings up inside the dome with that stupid you-know-what horn? I'm, I'm all for great NFC North rivalries, and I, I feel like that Minnesota Vikings one is about to hit a new era. I'm not saying it overshadows the Favre era, obviously. Nothing overshadows that, but it's going to be fun to see how that plays out. So that's your Packer news. Now we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get into a, uh, to a little bit of NFL draft talk. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. 
And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, guys, I'm going to try not to rattle around and make too much noise uh, here in the background, but I do have some information pulled up I want to kind of run through as we uh, as we move through this segment of the show. Um, so the NFL draft, it's really, really cool when your team has as many picks as the Packers do right now. I mean, you got a team that made it to the NFC Championship, was arguably the best team in the NFC, and if it hadn't been for special teams blunders, um, they probably would have represented the NFC in the uh, Super Bowl, right? It's very rare that a team of that magnitude comes out the next draft and has this the this many picks, like literally four picks in the first 59 picks belong to the Green Bay Packers. Four of the first 59. There's five in the top 100. Like, you've got two firsts, right? You have two seconds. You have a third, two fourths, a fifth, and three sevenths. Guys, this is like, I can't remember a draft where the Packers had so much draft capital. I believe it was Ryan or someone else said it's the sixth most or maybe eighth most draft capital in the entire league. And we already have the MVP, NFL MVP, at the most important position on the roster. You've got virtually everyone coming back other than, granted, your superstar wide receiver. But we all know what the argument was last year, what the complaint was, that the ball was forced to him too much. That was that was Aaron's boy. So that is now out the window. Guys, I'm fired up for this draft. I don't know how you guys feel, but I'm jacked. And I'm going to tell you why. Um... I don't see this. Yes, there's an opportunity to trade up. You could package those two firsts together or maybe one of those firsts and one of those seconds to climb up in the first round and get what you think is a superstar. But what I want to say is don't don't get the cart before the horse here. Like, slow down and think, what's the best way we could maximize this draft? 
Everyone's already talking. This draft is absolutely loaded with talent. It's amazing last year, the quarterback class, the last two years really, quarterback class was stacked. And we knew coming in this year, outside of, in my opinion, Kenny Pickett, there's not a whole lot of quarterback talent. Now, you, you see Malik Willis today at his pro day. He's lighting it up making these off-balance throws and showing off the athleticism and this and that. It looks like Zach Wilson from last year. How did that pan out, right? Somebody's going to fall in love with him. They're going to climb up and take him. Now, he may be another Lamar Jackson, but I'm thinking it's going to be more along the lines of Zach Wilson. It's all fine and dandy for a player to run around in shorts and throw across his body however many yards and, and the scouts out there clapping and laughing like, oh, my gosh, I've never seen this before. Yeah, you have. I mean, it, it every year it happens. Somebody falls in love with someone who's in the in the shorts and no pads. It happens every year. But what I'm seeing from the Green Bay Packers standpoint is with all this talent outside of the quarterback position, this would be an excellent year to trade back, right? Could you imagine if we trade out of both first-round picks, the type of capital that we could pick up both for this draft here and next year? Now, how many times, I think I heard uh, Ryan say the other day on the podcast, he was talking about you don't want to take an early, for, really a first-round talent in general, um, you know, and you, you don't want to put them on special teams because the chances of them getting injured, right? Okay, what if you trade out of that and you load up on seconds? What if instead of taking two swings in the first, you took four swings in the second and two or three swings in the third? Now, why why am I so excited about that? Why am I so adamant about it? Because what what is the problem with re-signing Aaron Rodgers that everybody's had. Well, they've mortgaged the future. We're going to be in salary cap hell. All these comments are being made. Well, guess what? These draft picks are slotted in the order in which they're taken as far as salary goes. Why not trade back into the second and third round and you're cutting your costs down on an ultra deep draft? Well, you're probably saying, but we want the best players available, right? I'm going to rattle off some names to you here, guys. I went back through the last several drafts, and I'm not going to list the specific year, but I'm going to name off some players to you and see if they sound familiar. I'm going to tell you what round they were drafted in and their name, okay? First things first, last year. Starting center, Josh Myers, second-round pick. Another second-round pick, A.J. Dillon, the year before. Here's a second-round pick for you. How would you like to draft this guy this year in the draft? Elton Jenkins. Here's a fifth-round pick. It's funny. We're about we're talking about a receiver that's approaching a market of ten to fifteen million dollars per year, guys. Think about that. MVS. That it's said that there's a market for him for fifteen million per year. I believe that when my crap turns purple and tastes like rainbow sherbet. I don't think there's that kind of market. I really don't. But I think he is worth seven or eight mil, right? Guess what? He was drafted in the fifth round. The fifth round. Here's another fifth round pick for you. Starting halfback and kind of a dual threat, as we've seen, talked about in the past podcast about his receiving grade. Halfback Aaron Jones just got the bag last year. Got a nice little four-year contract, right? Fifth round pick. Here's a fourth round pick that isn't sexy, but I'll tell you, he, he really turned heads last year with an above-average performance, and it kind of solidified the defensive line as the year went on. Fourth-round pick, Dean Lowry. We got him in the fourth round, guys. Here's a second-round pick for you. Tell me if this name sounds familiar. Wide receiver, Devontae Adams. That's right. 
Tay Adams, that just got the richest wide receiver contract in NFL history, was a second-round pick. Listen, here, here's a fifth-round pick, center Corey Lindsley. How many people were so depressed when they let Corey, Wins- Corey Lindsley walk in free agency, right? He was a fifth-round pick. Here's a fourth-round pick for you. Fourth-round pick, David Bakhtiari, arguably the best pass-blocking left tackle and offensive lineman in general in the entire league was a fourth-round pick. Second-round pick, wide receiver Randall Cobb. Fourth-round pick, guard T.J. Lang. Listen to this one. Second-round pick, wide receiver Jordy Nelson. Jordy Nelson, second-round pick. Here's another second-round wide receiver for you. Wide receiver Greg Jennings. Now, a lot of you are going, ugh, some of you just threw up on your shoes, right? You, you swallowed your backer juice. You're, you're all the H-E double hockey sticks right now. I'm with you, dude. Greg Jennings gets on my last nerve at the moment. I mean, he really does. He's a guy I've got his autograph on my wall over here. I couldn't tell you how many times I walked by that corner of my game room, seen that autograph, and just went, ugh. It was like... Like the time when I was 16 years old, I got T-boned with no insurance on my car because we couldn't afford it as a family. I remember my parents telling me when I left the house, listen, and you're probably going, God, you had horrible parents. Ah, yeah, you're probably right. But <laughs> I get my Mustang completely T-boned, right? The way dad looked at me when I got to the house that day, I mean, it was just absolute disgust. That's the same look that I give that autographed Greg Jennings uh, magazine over there where I got to meet him in person, eat dinner with him. A super cool dude. Loved everything about him until he went to the purple and gold. And then all of a sudden he hates the Packers and everything that they represent. Right. But nobody, nobody can deny the talent that Greg Jennings had when he was a Green Bay Packer. Nobody can deny what he meant to that offense. I firmly believe if it hadn't been for Greg Jennings, they don't win that Super Bowl. I mean, you've seen that catch after the ball gets tipped um, there in the Super Bowl down the seam when they were there. You know, McCarthy and him laughed and joked about it afterwards in the post-game celebration. Talk about it, talked about it in Tampa, like it, the way they attacked that Tampa two defense and that in that aspect of Dick LeBeau's defense there with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Not many receivers can make that catch. I remember a young Jordy Nelson dropping passes but also making plays in that Super Bowl. You understand that the two lead targets for the last however many years, I mean, probably 15 years for the Green Bay Packers at wide receiver were both second-round picks. Here's another second-round pick. You guys remember in that Super Bowl, there was a defensive back. The ball got tipped, the defensive back, ball hawked it, picked it off, made like three defenders miss, was juking like Gale Sayers and dove into the end zone to kind of seal that Super Bowl for the Green Bay Packers. That's free safety Nick Collins from Bethune-Cookman College, second-round pick. This is one of my favorites. I got his autograph as well. Seventh-round pick, the anchor of that Super Bowl team, center Scott Wells, seventh-round pick. And then another great one, um, this will be the last one I covered. We don't want to go you know, back too far because the league changes so much. But you had pass rusher, edge rusher, defensive end Aaron Campman, who was an absolute force for the Green Bay Packers. Guys, I just rattled off 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. I believe 17 players that were drafted from the second round to the seventh round that played a huge role for the Green Bay Packers. And here's the thing that I really want you to, to, to think about. 
back then, most of those guys, at least the, the latter half, was before the new league rules where the rookie contracts are slotted, right? They had to be negotiated. So those contracts were even less valuable from the Packers' standpoint, meaning those players are probably making more. They definitely were making more on rookie contracts than they do today, right? Um, it's 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 definitely a tool that a lot of GMs don't utilize in the fact that those rookie contracts are so cheap for four years. I mean, it's amazing. Think about what Cincinnati is doing right now with the, the free agency signings, they, them just signing the, the big left tackle, right, and paying huge money for that left tackle. It's because Joe Burrow's on a rookie contract. You know, why, why have uh, the uh, L.A. Chargers been able to do what they've done this year? It's because Justin Herbert is on a rookie contract. That's all a part of that new rule scheme, right, that new rule, you know, set. I say that because we can really maximize on this draft, not just by taking multiple shots. You understand that it's easy to say, well, yeah, not every, not all the second rounders are that good. That's right. But if you had two or three shots to get a Jordy Nelson in the second round, wouldn't you rather take two or three shots at a receiver rather than one big one by trading up in the draft? Now, don't get me wrong, guys. If we're sitting here on draft night, and it pops up and says, there's been a trade. You're going to see me do backflips. I'm going to get excited if the Packers trade up. But from my personal standpoint, what I would really like to see is them trade back. Now, for a live draft show, that would really suck. We're sitting here all night waiting for a pick, and we don't even get a pick in the first round on the on the, on the the Thursday night that the first round is broadcast. That would kind of stink, right? But I would love to see them trade out of one of those picks and pick up a little extra capital. The fact that you could pick up those type of caliber players, right, save money and build more draft capital, I think it would be absolutely huge. Now, what I want to do, I've got the consensus big board pulled up here. This isn't my big board. I haven't applied the factors that, that I'm going to put in place to really take it to another level, which I'm going to kind of give you guys a little insight. I'll do that right now. I'm going to take the consensus big board. And this is for my top 100, not right now, what I'm going to talk about. But when, when we get ready to do our draft coverage, I'm going to have a consensus big board, have 50% of the value, right? And then I'm going to have the PFF grade represent 50% of the value. So basically, I'm going to take the player's ranking on the consensus big board, and then I'm going to take the player's ranking in PFF grade, and I'm going to total those numbers, divide it by two, and that's going to give me kind of a true draft value of that prospect. Now, on top of that, I'm going to apply an effect where the RAS score, right, the relative athletic score, is going to play a role too. So I'm going to take that average number, we're going to throw the RAS in with it, and now you're going to get the RAS effect of a player like a, a Jordan Davis that just that ended up having a 10, like literally the all-time best defensive line combine numbers, relative athletic score in the history of the game. That'll have a factor in. And then I'm going to look to an expert in Greg Cosell. And if Greg Cosell says this is my, my favorite player at that position, then they're going to get some extra bonus points too. All that information is going to be compiled into a database, and that's going to be my top 100 big board. And that's going to be ready to roll for draft night when we do our draft coverage so we can kind of see who I think personally will be the best player available. But right now we're going to look at the consensus big board. When you talk about trading out of the first round, I'm going to name off a few players here that will most likely be available 
after the first round, okay? Keep in mind, this is not taken in consideration that we know, guys, we absolutely know that some of these guys that are on this consensus big board in the first round are going to drop out of the first round and be laying there to be had in the second round, right? But these are players that are just projected to make it to the second round. Uh, one of my favorites is offensive lineman, offensive tackle from Central Michigan. His name is Bernhard Raymond. Um, he is a huge offensive tackle, a guy that's gotten a lot of notoriety. I know he's pretty high on the uh, the PFF board as well. Um, there's some people that are projecting him to go as high as 26. He's listed as 33 on this uh, on this uh, consensus big board. The next one that comes to mind for me is safety Lewis Sign, okay? He's out of Georgia. That Georgia defense was just absolutely stacked. He's a player that's ranked at 37th on the consensus big board right here. Here's a receiver that Greg Cosell was absolutely ranting and raving about. Uh, one of the most complete receivers he feels like in this year's draft. He's ranked 39th on the consensus big board. He peaked at 35. That's wide receiver out of Georgia, George Pickens. Okay, that's another one that really grabbed my attention. We all talk about another important uh, aspect of this draft, and it's uh, I feel like it's a reason why we should look at trading out and getting more licks, more uh, actually more uh, shots at, at landing this, this pick, this need. And that's backup edge rusher behind Pre uh, Preston Smith and behind Rashawn Gary, right? At number 42, you've got Boye Mafe, edge defender out of Minnesota. Um, he has recently dropped down six on the consensus big board, but it looked like he peaked at around 36, right? Um, one projection has him going to Green Bay at number 28. So that's a player to kind of look out for. He's ranked 42nd on this board. You drop one down. I know we do not need a running back, guys. I completely get it. We are set with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, and we really liked what we've seen out of Kylan Hill. But until Kylan Hill can prove to me he can stay healthy right now, it's one strike, right? Strike one. Um, if if he goes down again and we don't have that third back um, that can kind of come in when people get banged up, we've seen it in the NFC Championship. It kind of altered the offense a little bit when A.J. Dillon went down. It was a huge factor, the fact that A.J. Dillon wasn't in the game, right? Um, we like to think that things probably would have gone a little bit different if he hadn't had that injury. But a prospect sitting at the number 45 spot is Brees Hall. Now, you're probably saying, no, we shouldn't spend a pick that high on another running back. Okay, you say that, but what if we traded out of those first-round picks and we're sitting there with three or four second-round picks? you telling me that Brees Hall couldn't play a role on this team? I don't know enough about Brees Hall. I haven't dove into the PFF uh, draft guide um, as much as I need to just yet. I want to wait until we get a little bit closer to the draft. That way, it's a little more fresh on my mind in that regard. But he may be a special teams role player. We've seen he absolutely ripped up the combine. I think they said there's only been two running backs um, in the last however many years that has run a 40 um, in the four threes. The only other one other than Brees Hall was, I think it was in the last, maybe in the last 10 years it was, um, was Jonathan Taylor. We've seen what Jonathan Taylor did last year. I don't like to fall in love with the 40, but I know Brees Hall's uh, 
his 40 or his uh his combine his relative athletic score is off the charts and he just so happens to be Greg Cosell's top running back in this draft so that's going to get some extra bonus points for me if he's sitting there and we've got multiple second round picks I'd be totally cool with taking Brees Hall just to add even more depth to that running back room um, going on down to uh, DeMarvin Lill, defensive line out of Texas A&M. I think he's an absolute stud. Guys, he's 46th on the consensus big board, but he peaked at number five. At one point or another, he was considered the fifth best prospect in this draft, and he's 46th on this list right here. Um, up next, linebacker Christian Harris. You know, we talked about on a previous uh, podcast that Chris Barnes really underperformed last year, and I would like to get a little more depth at that linebacker position if they don't sign any more free agent linebackers. How about a a rookie four-year deal in the second or third round if he falls that far with rookie linebacker from Alabama, Christian Harris? Absolute stud, I believe. Um, Here's another wide receiver for you. Number 50, Christian Watson out of North Dakota State. We know he's an absolute burner. Um, at number 51, right behind him, Colorado State, tight end Trey McBride. Hands down, in my opinion, he's the best tight end in the uh, in this entire NFL draft. Greg Cosell agrees with that as well. Um, let's slide on down here and just look at a couple more real quick. Kingsley Inagber, I think I'm saying his name correctly. That's a guy who was actually projected to go a lot higher um, a little while back here. He peaked at number 30. He's sitting at number 60 now. Here's a guy that everybody's falling in love with. I don't know if it's just his name or what. I know it's not just his name. He's a stud. He's going to be a great wide receiver. He's another guy that might, you know, he kind of comes from that same school, that same line of lineage as Greg Jennings did as far as talent. That's Sky Moore out of Western Michigan. Guys, he's projected on this consensus big board as the 62nd best prospect. So instead of just going up and taking one swing at one guy that might get injured and now you're all, all your draft capital has gone, all you're doing is eating your farm seed. We've got a saying down here in the South, if you go eating your own seed, then hey, don't, don't come to my cellar in the winter. That's on you, right? So I, this is what I'm saying by taking more shots in later rounds. What if we had multiple shots? What if we, what if we came down here in the second round and you, you drafted a Sky Moore, right, at wide receiver, and a Christian Watson, right? Or, I'm sorry, even a George Pickens. What if you've got two of those three wide receivers as opposed to just one there in the first round? I would really, really like our chances better of landing a Devontae Adams, a Greg Jennings, or a Jordy Nelson in the second round rather than just taking one shot there in the first. Again, there's so many factors that come into play that things can kind of kind of go south. So um, I just wanted to outline that to you guys to show you um, some of the talent in this draft that's just going to be sitting there in the second round. And if we play our cards right, you know, let's say that we take one first round and we do make a pick. Let's say with the 22nd, we do take a shot at a big name tackle, right? An offensive tackle. And God knows we need the help on offensive line, right? Um, what if we took a shot and, you know, Elton Jenkins, something that a lot of people aren't thinking about right now, you know, the fact that he tore that ACL there's no guarantee he's going to be ready for the start of the season. He's most likely not going to be ready for the start of the season. A lot of people are forgetting that. You know, look at David Bakhtiari. There wasn't a doubt in my mind last year coming into the season that he was going to start week one. I really thought, I know it's a late season injury, but I think he'll be ready to go week one. It was looking like he was going to be ready early, and the guy never got on the field healthy, 
right? You never know what's going to happen. So maybe you take a shot there in the first round with that 22nd pick and you land a great offensive lineman. What if you trade out with the 28th pick, pick up a second, maybe a third, hell, maybe a fourth next year, right? And you're building draft capital and take multiple shots at wide receiver there in the second round. I just think it'd be awesome. The media will love it. They'll they'll go on a rant talking about how once again the Packers haven't gotten the Aaron Rodgers a first round wide receiver. It an amazing last year that was all the talk. They never get him any help. Aaron doesn't have any targets. Blah blah blah. It's amazing. The same people that said that I listened to on podcast this week literally say this is the first time in Aaron Rodgers' career that he hasn't had a a, a slam dunk number one wide receiver. I was like. You're the same guy who said the Packers haven't given him anything to throw to. You're the same exact person. The same guys that said, you know, that the Packers have screwed up by not drafting first-round wide receivers turned around and bashed the front office for trading Devontae Adams. All of a sudden, Devontae Adams is the greatest wide receiver in the history of the game now that he's being traded. But before then, they just never gave Aaron Rodgers any help. Cracks me up, dude. I'm telling you, it, it acts absolutely just, I'm astonished at how people flip and flop just to get clicks and just to build a little bit of and a little bit of angst within a, a fan base. It's hilarious to me. So again, just to recap guys, I wanted to cover that stuff, kind of get the information out to you, a little bit of details on a Rasul Douglas contract as well as a Robert Tunyon contract. Curb the enthusiasm with Rob Tunyon because he's probably not going to be available to at least week six, which is great. Like I said, great insurance policy. And I wanted to kind of give you guys a little bit of draft talk in a sense of I don't want to start diving into the information of the prospects too much right now because we'll burn ourselves out before the draft. I just thought it'd be cool to look at. We've got multiple strategies we can approach this draft with. We can either stay put and make a boatload of picks as they sit, and it's all going to be based on how the the board falls. We could trade back or we can trade up. I'm of the opinion that I think there's going to be some players in that top tier that's going to drop just based off of the talent in this draft outside of the quarterback position. I say if that happens, you trade back, you still you build draft capital for the future, but you still land these guys at a much cheaper rate because God knows we need all the cap space that we can get moving forward. I think Gutekunst and his guys are, are behind the scenes. It might be another reason why they're not as active in free agency this year. I think they're gearing up to knock this uh, – this draft out of the park, and I'll tell you right now, Goody's been crushing it. You talk about Jair out of Alexander, right, in the draft. You talk about A.J. Dillon. You're talking about these players that, that he's picked here lately. He is He's hit some home runs. I think he hit a home run with Jordan Love. It's just unfortunate I can't rub anybody's nose in it until he gets on the field, and that's probably going to be two more years. But that's a good problem to have when you got the MVP at quarterback. So, anyways, that's the show, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Really appreciate your time. If you enjoyed it, go give us a, go get us a follow on Twitter, um, at Packers underscore access and at Pack underscore daddy. Um, like I said, appreciate you guys uh, at, hanging out with us. And um, we got some cool stuff in the works as far as the draft. We're putting it together right now. Um, I don't want to be the guy that uh, that spoils it. You know, this is Ryan's uh, Ryan's ship, so we'll let him uh, him steer it and and release the information when it's available, and we have a uh, an exact game plan on what we're going to do. I'll just say though, you you guys, this is going to be an exciting off season. Um, this is going to the next level. And we're really excited about being a part of it. So thank you guys for listening. Um, as always, hope you have a blessed day. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, the the way, the number one way to have a blessed day is to be a blessing to someone else. So as always, 
Go Pack Go. The other morning I had breakfast at Tracy Rocker's house. His mama brought out 15 flapjacks. He said, Mama, take back five of them flapjacks. I gotta say, hungry for the crimson tide.